Well, hello there and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. My name is Sam Hind and I'm so excited to have you here today because no matter what your business looks like, no matter what you do, if you are looking to grow on social media, you need to become aware of what your area of influence and authority is. And today I'm going to be introducing you to an incredibly special guest, the beautiful Julie Masters, CEO and founder of Influence Nation. Julie is the secret weapon to many incredible companies all around the globe, helping them to understand their area of influence. And today she joins us to share how you can identify what that area is for you. We had a fantastic chat. I know that you are going to get so much out of this episode. So get ready with pen and paper because Julie drops a ton of really powerful golden nuggets that will help you in your business, whether it be online or offline, to become an authority in your space and to stand strong and powerful in that. And most importantly, to know how you need to show up online in order to establish your authority and grow your incredible business. So with no further ado, I'm going to introduce you to the beautiful Julie Masters. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I am so super excited to be joined today by the absolutely gorgeous Julie Masters, CEO of Influence Nation. Thank you for joining me today, Julie. It's so good to be here, Sam. It's so lovely to see you again. You too. And I'm excited to be seeing you in person, not in Australia where we both live, but in America in a couple of months. I love how that rolls. Yeah, it's exactly right. Let's go for dinner in America. Forget about Australia. We'll do that. Let's let's leave leave Australia altogether, hop on a plane and go have a dinner date elsewhere on the planet. Oh, I love it. Look, it's actually uh, funny. I think the last time you and I saw each other was in fact at the DSA conference in Australia. And the next time we're going to see each other will be at the DSA conference in America. So I think that's kind of perfect how that works out. We'll just make it a yearly day all around the world. We're going to do the UK next. Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's go around the planet. Where else can we catch up for dinner? Uh, look, this is going to be a lot of fun today because I know you've got so much incredible wisdom and knowledge to share with our beautiful listeners. And as you know, you know, we've got an audience of people, you know, growing direct selling businesses all over the globe. And uh, I'm, I love watching your journey. You have um, such an incredible career story. I know One of the things I love about you is that you're so humble as well about sharing those ups and downs of, you know, where you've come from to where you are today. And we were even having a little bit of a chat about speaking recently and, you know, and how that, you know, just keynote speaking isn't something that I don't think comes naturally to anyone. And you and I were having a a fairly real story about, you know, what goes on behind the scenes that the people in the audience don't see, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a... It's not anything I think anyone wakes up or grows up going, you know what I'm going to do? Mm. You stand on a stage yeah. in front of hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. And have them all judge me whilst I And have them, <laughs> <laughs> them judge me. <laughs> have them all stare at me while, yeah. I, while I talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, and- I certainly didn't have it as a, as a career aspiration. 
No, and it's really funny, you know, I I think you and I have got a lot of similarities in that way because neither of us intended to be doing what we're doing today yet. I absolutely love watching where you are and and given that background too, you know, well, why don't you share just a little bit about Julie with our listeners? For those who don't know a whole lot about the amazing Julie Masters, can we have a little bit of a snapshot of what it is that you do today and and why? What's that journey look like for you? Oh, it started out out as... um, I co-founded and co-owned a management company with a good friend of mine. And we we began this company representing managing speakers, authors, thought leaders, started out here in Australia, um, and then grew to include the USA. We had speakers based all over the world. And so we were like a talent management agency, essentially. Yeah. And so for 15 years, I ran that, and that was my um, – that was that was my passion. That was my job. That's what I did. I was you could, you know, you meet these people like I'm a behind the scenes person. Mm-hmm. I was the behind the scenes person, and very happily so. I was very happy being the person behind the people on the stage. <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, you know, if if you had asked me at the time, if you'd asked anyone that I worked with, they would have said, you know, don't ask Julie to introduce you. You know, if people get up on stage and they introduce you, so <laughs> yes. don't ask Julie to introduce you because I would stumble and my knees would shake and my voice would waver and, you know, I'd just make a hash of it, total hash of it. Um, And I was quite happy with that. I was quite happy, you know, building a very successful business, scaling it globally. And a big part of what we did was decoding and figuring out, okay, we have this incredible human being with a very unique story and a very Mm -hmm. unique background who has this amazing idea and a potentially, you know, an amazing service or product as well. How do we package all of that together? And Mm -hmm. then how do we um, amplify it at scale? How do we get the word out there in a way that's authentic to them, that moves quickly, that drives engagement and attention? That was was our job. Yep. And so ran that business for about 15 years, and then I I stepped back from that to to have my children because it was a global business and 24-7 timeline on that business. Yeah. And then I started a consulting company called Influence Nation. And I had, again, no intention of, of speaking. I was going to go. I worked with CEOs. I worked with leadership teams. I was standing out mm-hmm. as the voice of in their space. And I went after our very first big client for this new company. And I sat down. I pitched the business. And they said, go away and, you know, come back again in a couple of weeks. And I came back again. And I, they said, okay, in you go into this meeting room. And I went to this meeting room. And there was a woman I've never met before. And she said, you know, it sounds really great. We're not, I don't know if we're interested in what you just pitched, but we'd love you to come and speak at our conference in, in six months. And I just remember looking at her thinking, um, <laughs> I have to say something very quickly. And sure, sure. I really oh. want to do this. <laughs> so sure, yes. I can do that. <laughs> okay. and, and in that time, it was a really interesting choice point. And, again, I think that we all – find ourselves at these choice points yeah. in our life where either I take a step back from the arena, take a step back from the potential of something I believe in, take a step back from owning my voice, owning my ideas, my expertise, or I take a step forwards into the arena. And in that moment I had to decide which way I was going to go. Yeah. And so I decided to take a step forward and I said, yes. And, um, 
and scurried around in the background for the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure out how you're going to do this. Trying to figure out how. I can't introduce someone to I am the someone. <laughs> I am the someone, right? I am the someone. And, yeah. and you know, I could have very easily in that moment told myself a story, but, I, you know, I know what good looks like. Like I represent some of the top 1% of speakers on the planet. I know yeah. what good looks like. And I could have let that story absolutely grind, absolutely grind me into dust. Yeah. Um, but instead I decided to flip it and say, you know what, I know what good looks like. If I know what good looks like, then I can do that. Yeah, I, I love can, that. I can emulate that. I can shoot for that. You know, you can't be what you can see. Well, I can see it. Yeah. And so that was the decision point there. And so that's when that started happening and it happened once and then I was asked elsewhere and elsewhere and elsewhere and it kind of moves on. And amongst all of that, we launched Inside Influence Podcast. Um, which went on to become top 50 iTunes all around the world, decoding what it takes to stand out, own your voice and become an influencer in your space. So, yeah, there you go. That's a, <laughs> that's a three minutes or less. <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that, and this is the story of how you get thrown right into the thick of it, right? It is, it, it's not a, I woke up and went, this is what I should do. It was, hey, I had this idea to run this consulting business and all of a sudden it was, okay, we've got, we're being steered here by what people actually need versus what I thought they needed. Am I going to step into what people are asking for? Or am I going to step into what I thought, um, you know, this might look like? So, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, you got steered in that direction. She said, right, I need, um, I, I want you to speak. What did that then look like off the back of that, where you end up, um, that becomes the new regular thing. It's gone from being a, Okay, so this particular person's asking me to speak, but I've still got this consulting business. How did that turn into a regular thing? I think someone asked me recently, you know, what does good look like? So I was saying, you know, you need to be, you need, need mastery. You know, you need to continually practice. You need to get match fit and to get good enough to really own your space. And, and someone was like, well, what does good look like? And I thought it was a really interesting question. And, you know, eventually all I could think of to say is that good, good enough looks like when everything you, every one thing that you do creates two or three more opportunities. Every yeah. one opportunity you say yes okay. to, it creates two or three more opportunities. That's the best definition of good that I can think of. Yeah. And, and so it was that commitment to match fit, right? Like I had six months to get match fit. <laughs> I had six months. To go from there's nothing I can think of that I would rather do <laughs> yeah. to not only am I going to do this, but I'm going to yeah. give it my all. I'm going to give it everything that I have. I'm mm-hmm. going to own it. Yeah. And I think that commitment with anything that you do, it doesn't matter what you do. It could be a video. It could be, um, it could be a podcast. It could be social media. It could be pitching or presenting. Yeah. That commitment to match fit and, and mastery really helps. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it's still, it's a big part of what I do now and, and I love it now. And it's very, you know, I feel very differently about it now than I used to yeah. than I used to feel. And I think you also get to the stage, and you and I have talked this before, about where you, this almost bulletproof place that doesn't mean that you're no longer afraid to do the thing. It doesn't mean that you no longer feel the fear going mm. forwards. But what it means is you've shown up enough yeah. to know that not only will you show up, but you will show up as the best version of you. Yeah. And 
that enables you to feel the fear and do it anyway, right? Like yeah. I, I know now <laughs> that I'm going to show up. Yeah. So when that little voice goes off in my head going, can it all, can, can it, <laughs> pulling out, can it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, not only do I know that I will show up, but I know that I will show up as yeah. the best version of me. I love that. And, you know, we've had some very real conversations as, as you do speak, as you know, we've, we've obviously spoken at um, a couple of events together and, you know, we've got some more coming up, which is really exciting. And, you know, one of the things, um, you know, and being able to, to really talk about that, Hey, you know what, like this is, this is hard even for those people that do it on a regular basis. But it, the reason I bring this up, because you specialize in influence and I want to talk about that word in a minute because I really, uh, I feel like that word in itself triggers people these days um, and it's very misunderstood and we're going to come to that. So, um, but I just want to talk for a little moment around what you just said around showing up and, you know, you've just mentioned that you got thrown into this. You were the person that liked to be behind the scenes and I I would hazard a guess that a lot of our listeners right now are nodding, going, yeah, that that is me or that's been me. I like to be behind the scenes. But you guys are now in a driving seat of a business. And so, you know, I'd love to know, Julie, you've become, you know, a major influencer in your space. You've become an authority in your space on influence. And, you know, I want to know how do you go from being behind the scenes to becoming a major influencer in this space. Um, and, you know, we know how my next question was, and a speaker in this space, well, we know how that happened. But how do you then build that influence? Because, you know, that day that you were sitting at that boardroom table, I'm sure you weren't sitting there thinking, well, I'm an authority in this space, so I feel really comfortable doing this. What did that journey look like for you? And how did you, I guess, establish within yourself a sense of authority that that this is this is who I am and this is what I'm here to do. There's a there's a great quote that I heard recently that's you know no one can beat you at being you. Mm. No yeah. one's going to be able to beat you at being you. And there's you know when you when you ask about how you I talk about moving from expertise to influence like transforming your expertise influence or your mm-hmm. unique story into yep. influence. And the way that you do that is by first owning your story. Yeah. Right. Like that's where that starts. Brene Brown says you can either own your story or you can spend the rest of your life like hustling for your worthiness. Yeah. You know, it starts by owning your story. And and we talk about that in the terms of your impact zone. Everybody has a unique impact zone. You know, when I first started out, my unique impact zone was I knew the world of speakers and thought leaders. Mm-hmm. And I knew the world of business, of starting, growing, and scaling a business. So you combine those two worlds and that space where the two, where I'm holding my hands up for those who can't see me right now, <laughs> in a cross formation. Um, but those two, where those two lines meet, that's your impact zone. Mm-hmm. You take two worlds where you have mastery, experience, and insights, and you overlay them. And so for me, in knowing those two things inside out, when I overlaid them, well, that was my impact zone. Mm-hmm. The ability, that was the space where I had unique insights and experience that's where i could own yep. my services and authority which was how do you stand out as a voice of authority in order to build and grow and scale yep. a business and so it started there like you know what worlds do i know better than anybody else and it was funny i had a conversation this is way back at the beginning of the pandemic i had done um i'd done a, a speaking event for a particular direct selling company and as part of what we had done together, I had offered as a prize a, few, a couple of 
short coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. And this lady came on to a coaching session and we were talking about her unique impact zone. And she was like, you know what, I just, I don't know what I'm an authority in. I just don't know, you know, I just don't know what my zone of influence is in order to be able to start standing out. I just feel like anybody else in this business just trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And I said, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you, what have you done before, before you got here? And she said, oh, I used to be a social worker. She said, I've always been in that kind of caring, supporting role. So I was a social worker for many, many years. And I was like, and the company that she worked for, it specialised in health products. Yeah. And I said, well, that's perfect. That's perfect. How many people out there right now, you know, we're at the we're in the beginnings of this kind of global health crisis. How many people out there right now are in caring professions who need to take care of their health, mm. who need to make sure that their cup is full before they try and take care of anybody else or who are on the verge of burnout because all they do is take care of other people? Yeah. Like that's a zone that you can own absolutely, you know, helping people who are in caring professions take better care of their health. Yeah. You know, and it's deconstructing our own experience and our own yeah. story until we can find a space that only we can own. Yeah. That's the bridge. Yeah. And that's so powerful and so true. I think a lot a lot of us discount, um, number one, those stories because we think, number one, they're not important. No one wants to hear them. I was actually speaking to somebody recently um, who who asked what I did for a living and I, and I explained, you know, I I – I speak, I teach on social media and so on. He goes, oh, he goes, I would love to be a speaker. Yeah, I, This was one of those people who he was like, I'd love to be a speaker. I was like, wow, I've never met one of you before. <laughs> he goes, I'd love to be a speaker. But he goes, I haven't had like a, a life-changing accident or, you know, something crazy happened to me. I don't have, he said, I don't have a story that is, you know, game changing. I'm not, you know, and he's comparing himself to all these other people out there. And I said, well, neither have I. And he goes, yeah, but you've got something, right? And I was like, yeah, like I have some expertise in a space that people want to hear about and so do you. And just like what you said then, I asked him that question, you know, what do you do for a living? What are you really passionate about? What do you enjoy? And he said, I'm a real estate agent. I love helping people, you know, understand the secrets of the industry and how to not only find the right home, but how to not fall in those pitfalls that real estate agents will often catch you in. And I was like, well, you, there's something right there, you know, that that people are going to care about, that you're passionate about, that you could speak on. And he goes, oh, I'd never really think about that. Mm. Um, and I think there's this assumption sometimes that you need to have some game-changing, life-changing story, something dramatic happen to you to make you worthwhile listening to you. And, you know, it's whereas something as simple as, hey, you know, and, and I chatted with somebody else to just today that was, you know, she said, oh, look, Honestly, the, the only thing I feel like I'm, I'm really great at talking about is menopause. <laughs> I went, that's a great, very topical thing to be talking about. <laughs> I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Let's talk about menopause. And she went, Oh, do you think it's, do you think people want to hear about that? I think they do. I think, I think they do. <laughs> and I, that, that story that we have to have climbed a mountain or um you know had some kind of life-changing event happen to us Mm. absolutely you know there are people out there who have incredible stories and who tell stories about those experiences that we love to hear about um and one of the things that i think that social media has done and this new age of influence has created is 
Well, you also just want to know about human beings. Yeah. I want to know your story. I want to know how you got where you are. I want to know how you learn. I want to know what's your unique point of view. What's your unique lens? And on top of that, you don't need everybody. Like we don't need everybody. What the people you're going after are people just like you. People who have walked the road that, that you have walked, or are trying to walk yeah. the road you have walked. You don't need everybody. Yeah, you know, you just need a dedicated crew of a few. Yeah, I think that's um, is so true. Just as you were saying that, I was thinking, I think there's so much need right now, not for the life changing, you know, shark bit my leg off story because we can't relate to that whilst it's inspirational and 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 interesting to listen to and and there's definitely a place for those stories I think there's a need right now for people to feel like they're able to resonate with a story that they can place themselves in because it gives them this sense of hope that I can get also get what I need or, or to where I want to go, whatever that might look like, if I can hear from someone else like me who's walked that walk and been through it, yeah. you know, and and like what you said with this social worker and, and the woman with the menopause and even the real estate agent, you know, these are all people who are living life going through something that others are also wanting to hear from people that have done this before them and, and walked that walk before them. And I think there's a sense of I want to feel some connection with others like I'm not the only one experiencing these things I'm going through and you're right you know not everybody is going to have these life-changing events happen to them and the people that we're compelled by now we call gripping the human you mm. know they're, they're gripping the human beings yeah they're, they're not superhuman you know there's a there's a reason that reality tv has gone has gone crazy you know now we're watching you know now we're watching other people watch reality tv right like, isn't it ridiculous like <laughs> well whether it's your thing or not i don't know so it's not my thing but what it tells us is that we want real we want yes yeah 100%. that we can relate to yeah we don't want the perfect and the polish yeah and you know this big story that we will we'll probably never be a part of yeah which really brings me to um, my next question, which is around influence. And what do you see influence to be in in twenty twenty three, Julie? Because I think there's been a big shift in 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 how we influence, but also what that word means. What you know, what does it mean today in twenty twenty three? What does influence really mean? I think, I mean, for me, I've, I've seen this wave, right? Like when I first started out in the industry 20 years ago, to, the word influencer meant something very different than it has come, than yes. it has come to mean now. Yeah. Um, for me, influence is very simple. Influence is the ability to ha say, look over here and have somebody be engaged enough to look. Yeah. That's, that's influence. Um, it's the ability to stand out as a trusted authority in mm -hmm. a particular field. It's the ability to attract rather than chase next level opportunities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, those are all the things. And I think what's happened to the word influence is we've started to, mis um, to mistake um, popularity for influence. Yeah, that's a really There's good a point. big difference between popularity and influence. And I think we need to start divorcing those two words. Yeah. Influence has nothing to do with popularity. Some of the most influential people I know have very few followers um, but highly engaged yeah. people. 
you know, they might not have a, a black book of a thousand, but they have the right people that yeah. they can call. And you and I were just talking before we came on air about somebody who has a black book of the right people yeah. that he can call, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's influence. Yeah. And I think when we start thinking about it as popularity, it's the wrong vet metric. It's a, it's a vanity metric. It's not a business metric. It's not even a useful metric. Yeah. You, know, you can have 300,000 people that follow you and not be able to do anything with that, not be able to leverage that in any way, monetize yeah. that in any way. I would far rather you had 300 people yeah. loved what you do, who watch everything that you put out there, who share you with everybody that mm. not, than 300,000 people who occasionally like something. Yeah, it's so but, true. We all, there's a difference between awareness and, and action. Yeah. There's that beautiful phrase, you know, no one ever paid a mortgage with awareness. Yeah. Like, what we want is people being engaged enough to take action. That's right. And that's not, nothing to do with popularity. That's right. And that was the, that conversation before around, you know, it's it's as much about, I, I was going to say it's not about what you know, it's who you know, but it's as much about um, who you know as it is about what you know. And you, your knowledge is really powerful, but it's sharing that with the right people, right? And in the right way at the right time, you know, you... Um, you can you can talk about what you think you know you, I love what you said before about you know you sat in that room uh, at that boardroom table and you thought you knew what your audience wanted you thought you knew what they needed from you and you did this pitch and then they said to you actually and I love that they verbalized it because a lot of the time I don't think we get the um the experience or the blessing I suppose of uh of them telling you what they really want but in this case for you they did and it's just a good example of what is your audience actually wanting from you and what's that conversation need to look like and and being able to pivot and adjust that conversation um, and that knowledge that you're sharing with them so that it is actually serving the audience that you're dealing with versus just, I, I'm just going to, you know, we've all seen people doing it where they're constantly vomiting what they think the world wants to hear and no one's paying them any attention, which is why they end up with 300,000 people that loosely follow them but really don't care about any of the stuff they're sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that we that I talk about is keeping a relentless question radar, like getting fluent yeah. in the questions of your target market. Yeah. That's and it's okay. such a simple game changer. Yeah. You know, what are the questions your target market are asking about yeah. what you do? What in their language, what are the questions that they're asking about what you yeah. do? What and are some of the ways that you go about um, acquiring those questions? I mean, I, I know um, certainly how we would teach people to find those in locations on social media, but, you know, what? How, how do you get familiar with those questions? How do you do that, Julie? Well, I have literally on my phone. So on my phone I have a, um, I have a note and it's called questions. And okay. so any question that, I mean, I'm kind of in a privileged position, you know, people come up to me at the end of presentations and they ask me questions. Um, a newsletter that goes out, people respond with questions. Mm. But I'm very proactive. You know, if you sign up to my email list, if you download my ebook, you'll get, immediately get an email from me asking, well, you know, what's the number one question that you have? Yeah. Like I am constantly pulling out people's questions. If I'm at a client pitch and they ask me a question, I'll write it down. Right. And those questions become the basis for all things. Yeah. They become the basis for my presentations. They become the basis for our posts. Yeah. Um, every podcast episode starts off with, here's today's question. You know, yeah, it's the basis for everything. Yeah. And so, and it's just a simple shift, as you said, so beautifully. 
you know, it's from moving away from what we want to say to what is it that people want to know. Yeah. And then owning those questions. I love that. I love the the changing of just the the mentality around from I'm speaking to people to I'm serving, I'm answering those questions. And it really is, isn't it, just about being curious all of the time, you know, listening mm-hmm. to what people are saying, even in their comments on social media, um, you know, what, and, you know, one of the things I love about, um, you know, using Thermomix as an example, another direct selling company, one of the things that their distributors are trained to do is to prioritise, um, they call it, I, I think they call it sync time. So after they do their demonstration where they do their their little cooking demonstration, They're actually trained to focus on the time where they're doing the dishes next to the host at the end of the night after everyone's left and that host is asking questions and talking to them and paying attention to what that conversation sounds like, Mm. Um, which I think is so powerful because very, I don't think very often we're encouraged to pay attention to the small talk Mm. and yet that can be where the magic happens, right? Absolutely. There was a there was a guy I I met this is a little while ago now, but I've written about it a number of different times and talked about it a number of times. He's a mortgage broker, mm-hmm. and he was just getting no traction. Kind of doing your, your standard just blurt outs. I call it's the flip from um, you know out interrupting to out contributing. Because yeah. the usual, the traditional form of marketing, right, is I'm just going to interrupt you as many times as I can until you buy from me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> until you need to shut me up, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, how many of us love being interrupted? Yeah. Like, it's the best love. part of my day. Yes, we love it. We love being interrupted. <laughs> but that is the predominant form of marketing that we get told yeah. and sold, you know, just keep interrupting people. Yeah. Um, and so shifting from this, you know, shifting from interrupting what people are interested in to becoming what they are interested in. And so this mortgage broker, he was just, he was going in the normal playbook. He just, just kept interrupting people, you know, letterbox drops, emails, ads, just like pop-ups, interrupt, 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 and getting nowhere. And eventually he was kind of on his last ebb with it all. And he thought, you know what? I have a whole bunch of questions here that people have asked me about getting the right mortgage for them. I'm just going to answer them. And so he went to his part-time marketing person. He said, you know, we're going to answer a question a day for a hundred days. We call it a okay. hundred days. Question a day for a hundred days. And that's exactly what they did. They just answered one question a day for a hundred days and it transformed everything. Wow. Guess what? If you answer a question that I have, what are the chances that somebody I know also has that question? If your answer is good enough, mm-hmm. what's the chances where I'm like, that was really useful. I'm going to send this to such and such and such because I know that they're looking right now. Not only that, we start getting feedback, right? Like that was so helpful. Uh, Can you also help me? I've often wondered this as well. You start getting feedback about what people want and then you can adjust it the next time. And the next time people start sharing you and then it blows up and... I have, I, I think a 100-day challenge is very optimistic. That's an intense challenge, I'm going to say. Ambitious. I love that. But I have encouraged so many people to do a 30-day challenge. Yep. Do a 30-day challenge. Question a day for 30 days. Yep. See what happens. And I imagine you've seen some incredible results from people just switching that around and doing that challenge, right? Yes, because you know, I was actually talking to a founder recently who they did the they did the thirty challenge. So they, they saw me speak. They did the thirty challenge, and I was like, "What happened? Tell me, tell me what happened." And she said, "You know, it's really interesting." She said, "You know, we got a lot of feedback, a lot of people sharing it." She said, "But you know, for the first kind of twenty odd days, I couldn't directly attribute any business to it." Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she said, and then about a week later, I had a phone call from a major bank here mm-hmm. in, in Australia. Um, and they said, you know what? You, you've never heard from us before, but we've been watching your your 30-day challenge. Now they hadn't responded. They hadn't liked. Mm. There was no way of knowing that they were there. Yeah. But they were watching. And they were watching her show up consistently and continually as an authority in her space. Yeah. As an expert in her space. Yeah. And so, you know, there's there's the immediate benefit of feedback and being shared and the kind of the immediacy of some opportunities, but never underestimate who's watching. Yeah. And who's abs- observing you and how you're going and talking about you. Yeah, because the ripple effects just keep moving. It is so true. And one of the things that we say to people, I mean, we do challenges as well, as you know, social media challenges. And and when we do those, one of the things that we make very, very clear is just because people are not interacting doesn't mean they're not watching. And, uh, you know, we talk, I, I recently did a podcast episode talking about the animals behind the trees in the forest. You know, you, you can't see all the animals back there, but if you're standing in a clearing in the forest and you're surrounded by thick layer of trees, you know, there are animals back there. They can see you in that clearing they're paying attention to what you're doing um but if you want to attract them into that clearing with you you're going to have to show them that you're safe you have to keep showing up um and there's there's certain things you don't do you don't yell and scream you don't chase them down and you don't walk away from that clearing and so it's a crazy analogy i know but our our listeners know what i'm talking about but the, the purpose here of of using that visual is to remind people that you know when particularly with social media julia i feel like we all behave one way and expect people to behave another you ever notice you know people are constantly saying oh I don't know if you hear this. You probably don't. It's probably just me. But they go, oh, I post it every day for five days and nothing happens, so I'm not going to do it again. I'm just, it's a waste of my time. And I sit there and I I think, hang on, when you sit down at night and, you know, you're zoning out and you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, how many posts that get your attention that you look at? Think about reels. The last time you looked at some reels, how many of those did you comment on? How many of those did you interact with? And the fact that you didn't interact with them, does that mean that they didn't get your attention, that you won't remember them? No. We, I think we've become less interactive as, as you know, social media has evolved and, um, you know, and the way that we absorb attention, uh, absorb information now has changed, yet we expect people, our, our viewers, to behave differently. And, you know, it, I just, I, I, I love what you said there. I think it's just so important to remember just because they're not interacting with you doesn't mean they're not paying attention. It goes the same yeah. with influence, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, I talk a lot to, to people I work with as a coach about this, the myth of the magic button. Yeah. You know, we, I think we would all love to believe that there's some kind of magic button, right? Like there's a magic button. If I press it once, you know, everything, my dreams will come true. Everything will happen. (laughs) If I post once, if I, you know, do this one presentation, if I... I did. I started a business page and I didn't magically get a a thousand followers. What's happening? Yeah, and (laughs) it's the myth of the magic button and we all buy into it. You know, I've bought into Mm. it in different ways, in different forms. I built this beautiful website. Why didn't they come? (laughs) Yeah, why didn't Um, they come? And, you know, it's, there is no magic button. 
there, it, trust, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. There's no, if there was, I would have found it. I would have pressed it. Believe <laughs> me. Um, there is no magic button. There is, there is consistency. Yeah. There is clarity. There is contribution. There is captivation. And there is certainty. You know, these are the things that you aim for. And if you do that often enough, then, you know, things, magical things will start to happen. Um, to, you, you shared a, a, an animal analogy. I'm going to share an animal analogy now. As soon as we're on animal analogies. <laughs> oh, I love you're, it. You're going to keep me with mine. Great minds think alike, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's this amazing guy who's been dead a very long time called Buckminster Fuller. And Buckminster Fuller, he was, he was a philosopher and inventor, incredible. And he talked about, um, he talked about bees and he, he was, he would say that bees don't really know their true purpose in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as a bee is concerned, it's just picking up, um, nectar, taking it back to create honey. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit like business, right? Like we just, we show up, we do the thing that we think we're, we're there to do. And then, you know, we go home and we hopefully kind of harvest some honey on the way. But actually, bees are pollinating, pollinating every plant, every flower on the planet. Yep. They have no idea of the ripple effect of what they do when they just show up consistently yep. and do what they're there to do. And it goes back to the story we talked about previously. When you show up with all of yourself, so other opportunities pop in that you could never have seen coming. Yeah. You know, the ripple effect of what you do, you can't see until it arrives. Yeah. So just keep showing up. Yeah. And I think uh, too that, you know, just coming back to that, um, becoming an authority, but also becoming an influencer doesn't necessarily mean being an expert. And I just want to, um, I want to come to that for a little moment because I think we've probably got some listeners right now going, okay, that's all great. Um, becoming an influencer in your space, wonderful. But what if I'm starting out in my business? What if I'm brand new at this? What if I don't have runs on the board yet? Um, and so how do I become an influencer? And just, you know, as you answer that, I was actually having a really great conversation with somebody just this morning uh, in a coaching call who, you know, was in a very similar situation to that where she said, um, you know, I like I really just sort of started this business. She goes, how do I share things on social media to make people want to buy from me? And I said, you don't. I said, what are the conversations that you, that they want you to have so that you can build the relationship to take it offline to then have a one-to-one conversation about the business? Don't have it online. Don't tell people what they need to hear from you, but what are the conversations? And she said, oh, well, I, I guess, you know, these are some of the com- common conversations I have with people now and these seem to be the topics they're interested in. I said, great, you know, I already know you're an authority in this space and just because you've entered into a business uh, where, you know, you've you've got to add to that, like it's, it's, a, it's another expertise again. I think there's a lot of people that assume I need to be an expert at the product or an expert mm-hmm. at at the building of the business that I haven't built yet before I've got the authority to have any influence over anybody else. So from someone starting out who's just getting going, what advice would you give them around becoming an influencer in their space? I love what you said there about the conversation. Mm. No, we don't, we don't want you to drive a product. You know, we have people driving products at us, you know, like Mack trucks every second of every day. Yeah, right. We want you to drive a product. We want you to drive a conversation. 
We have no shortage of people driving products. We have shortage of people driving real, authentic, important conversations. Mm. And we talk a lot about, and I talk a lot about when I speak, the idea of becoming the translator. Yeah. Where your job is to become the primary translator of your field. And what a translator does is the translator is someone who goes out to the fringes, to the places where I neither have the time nor the knowledge nor the expertise to go and brings back information for me about something I care about in easy-to-digest language. That's a translator. And if you think about every single area of your life that you care about, parenting, um, it might be podcasting, it might be business, it might be health, it might be cooking, um, it might be needlework. <laughs> you think about it, you will have a translator that you yeah. go to, a go-to expert, somebody who you go to for the answers. You might follow them on social media, yeah. you might read everything they write, watch everything that they put up. The people that we follow, the people that we buy from, they are, they're not the technicians. They're not the people with the most information. They're the people who translate that information for us yeah. using our language. Yeah. And so I would say that firstly, drive a conversation. What is the conversation you are trying to drive? What is the journey? Talk about decoding the road. What is the journey you are trying to help people walk? Mm-hmm. Where does it start? Where does it end? How can you decode that road for people? Yeah. If you want to get from here to here, here are all the places, you know, here are the levers you have to pull on the way. You want to improve, let's pick menopause, right? You want to sail through menopause. All right, let's talk about that for a second. You're going to have to, you know, nail your nail eating. Let's, let's get your eating straight. You know, you're going to have to sleeping is going to be a really big thing. Let's get, let's get that sorted. Okay, you know, what's next? It might be HRT. All right, let's, let's, let's talk about that. What are the core levers? How can you decode the road for somebody? Yeah. How can you drive a conversation so that people are willing to follow? And then when you've done that, then you earn the right to go. You know what? You want to fast track this or you know what? You, want, you know, you want to make this so much easier. This is what I have learned and this is what I use. Yeah. That's so true. I think I think all of that does come back right to your experience in that space. You know, here's my journey. This is why I'm speaking about this. This is why it matters. This is what's happened for me. And then, uh, you know, I, and I love that decoding. You know, just break it down, simplify things. There are a lot of there's a there are a lot of scientists out there. There are a lot of experts. There are a lot of experts. <laughs> we don't want to hear from another expert. We want to hear from a real person like us. And that's the beauty of people in this industry is you're all real people. Mm-hmm. You're all growing a business as somebody who, um, you know, you you're not an an expert. You know, in the medical industry, whatever it is that you do, and that's what makes you beautiful because. We, we've got enough of those. We don't need to hear any more jargon or any more, you know, scientific studies about whatever. We need to hear about somebody who's been through something, who's just like me, and I can hear about that journey and I can relate to that person so I can get an idea of what it might be like to actually go through it. Your, your unique story, mm. right? You know, like go back to menopause again. What does, you know, okay, I've just, I've had chemo. You know, what does menopause and menopause look like for me? Mm. You know, a, a woman who's gone through IVF, yeah, that's a very different menopause journey again. Yeah. You know, menopause with, with children under five, you know, that's a very different me- menopause journey. Again, menopause journey for 50-plus women who are, you know, that's where your unique story comes into play. That's you right. Know, like, don't, don't try and own a massive space. Yeah. 
don't try and be the the expert. This is where I think that we get caught with this imposter syndrome. We right? think we have to be the best, right? Yeah, I am yeah. the expert on <laughs> yeah. menopause. Yeah. No, no, there's a very particular road that you have walked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's um, remembering we each have our own individual dream customer target audience and it's different to the next person's and when we try to be the person that they all go to we end up trying to please everybody and and we all know that that can't be done it's impossible um so yeah i i, I love that i think that's t- you're t- taking yourself down from that pedestal of having to be the expert and comparing yourself to others in your space remembering that you are unique on your own and your story um is important and it will relate and resonate to a certain group of people right mm-hmm. And ironically, it's usually the part of your story that you least want to talk about. Yeah, you and I talked about this actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna just be like super honest about this right now. The hardest part of any of my keynotes ever is the part where I tell my story. And uh, you know, I will do everything I can in every instance to try and get out of it. I will argue with my coach, I will argue with Greg. Um, I'll even talk about, well, I've only got so much time and I want to jam as much teaching in as I can. I don't have time and Ironically, you and I were talking, Julie, before the last presentation I did, and I said, Julie, I think I should just cut out the part where I talk about myself, and you went, (laughs) Uh, no, (laughs) no, you have to own that. I think the words you said were, that's probably the most powerful part, and you haven't heard my story, by the way, for our listeners, they, they, you know, it's not like you're saying this from a perspective of I know what you're going to talk about. You said your story is probably the most powerful part of your entire presentation and will impact more people than likely most of the teaching that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, we think people are not interested in hearing that part. And so we typically leave it out. Talking about yourself isn't the easiest thing to do, right? No, and we, we have this thing, and honestly, it's common between, I mean, I work with CEOs, like, it's common across the board, this this thing of it's not about me. It's not about me. Yeah. I don't want it to be about me. It's about the information. It's about the knowledge. It's about the product. It's about the mission. It's about, you know, whatever whatever we think it's about. Yeah. And the truth of the truth is that it is about you. Mm. It is about you. And it is about you from a different place than you think that it is about yeah. you. It is about you from a place of contribution. Yeah. It is about you from a place of your voice and your story is the most impactful vehicle for you to reach all of the people that you're trying to reach. Yeah. Yeah. And it make that makes it about you in a good way, in a place of contribution, a place of authenticity. Yeah. If you really want the things that you say that you want, then it needs to be about you. You need to make it about you. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, I'm going to ask a really con- controversial question now, and I don't actually know. <laughs> She's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> she doesn't know. You sat back in my chair then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Are we over? Is this? Are we done with this podcast? No, I, I really, I, one of the things that bugs me, and you, I don't know, by the way, if Julie shares this same opinion right now, so this could go anywhere. But one of the things that bugs me is people establishing authority and influence, particularly on social media, in damaging ways by fear-mongering, 
by, uh, you know, that's the big one that we've seen over the last little while, by establishing influence and authority through tearing other people down, um, through negativity, uh, and through being controversial deliberately in a space that triggers and um, creates um tension, I suppose, between people. And this is one of the things, I just want to speak into this for a little moment, or I want to at least get your opinion on this. Is this something that you're seeing more of? And and how do you feel about this method of establishing influence and authority? Yeah, it's funny that you asked me because I think on a panel that you were, I think it was the panel you and I were on together. (laughs) It was the dead leg Um, panel. We'll talk about it. The dead leg panel will be known, (laughs) a story for another time. Yeah. the someone asked me you know what's the biggest um what's the biggest decision i think new people need to make in in the roles of of influence mm-hmm. of using their influence developing their influence and i answered i don't think this is the answer they were looking for i think greg asked you this question was it, greg? It, yeah. was, it was my honest answer and the, the honest answer is that i think that we need to make a choice as an individual and as societies and as communities um, about the type of influence that we're willing to allow. Mm. And, you know, there are two different types of influence in the world. There's positive influence and there's negative influence. Yeah. And negative influence is fear, very simply, fear, drama and outrage. Yeah. You want to check in with your gut and see if someone's trying to get you to do something, someone's trying to influence your decisions you can always tell if they ramp up the fear, drama, or yeah. outrage. Um, and we live in a world right now where we're, we're losing track of that a little bit. And I think that one of the issues is the media. Yeah. No, no finger of blame here, just very systemic. What has happened is that traditional media, so newspapers, magazines, used to have a viable business model. Mm-hmm. They were our only source of information. They could charge huge amounts of money for advertising, and we would pay to buy it. Yeah. The brilliant business model. Now what has happened is that the eyeballs are no longer there. Yeah. And so now the revenue is down. I think revenue is down. Last I heard, it's like 95%. 95%. Yeah, wow. It's probably not that surprising, mm-hmm. but it's still huge. Yeah, because we want we get our information for free. And so what happens is then the only way to get our attention is to ramp up the good tried and tested methods of quick influence, which is fear, drama, and outrage. Yeah. And that's why every front page you see, usually there are some who are, you know, who are more of the usual suspects than others. Yeah. It's all fear, it's all drama, it's all outrage. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to get people's attention. Yeah, 100%, which is why it's becoming such a huge problem. It works. We see politicians use it every day. Um and it's very effective in the short term. It's very, very effective. I think that we need to make a decision, firstly, about how we want to influence. And there's entire projects I've canned in my business where the advice that I received at the time was to do a marketing campaign that was based on, on fear. You know, you will miss out, you will regret. You will. Um, because that's not how I choose mm. to show up. That's not how I choose to interact um, and there is a different way of doing it, which is that contribution-based model, the inspiration and contribution-based model that we've talked about. Um, but the the fear, drama, and outrage, I think, A, you've got to choose whether you want to use it, and my advice would be no. But I think there's a larger decision there where we have to decide whether we want it to exist at all. Yeah. 
And, you know, our attention now is the most valuable currency on earth. There Absolutely. Is no, there yeah. is no currency on earth more valuable than human attention right now. Yeah. yeah there's that beautiful saying that if you, if you are not paying for the product, then your attention is the product. I'm thinking about how many products we use where we don't pay for them. Yeah. So where you put your attention dictates everything, the algorithms, what you see, what your children see, what mm. shows up for more human beings in more places. And so what we're willing to engage in when we're on social media platforms, what we're willing to trade our attention for, what yeah. we're willing to pay money for, that impacts everything. And I think that making a very deliberate decision about what we want to see more of, mm. our attention there, and what we want to see less of. Yeah. And like literally constricting our attention away from that. Yeah. It's it's so true. And you know, I was <clears throat> I had to remind myself of 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 this very thing recently because it's not just about how do we get attention, it's also um what are we doing um to uh what are we allowing people to to use to vie for our attention? And I, I think that's so powerful you bring that up, Julie. I there's there's somebody in particular um, that I have in the past watched on LinkedIn. And this is somebody who I used to really, really respect. But in recent years, I've noticed that this particular person gets attention by being overly dramatic. Um, and, and you know, you hit the nail on the head with those those three key words, right? Um, and this person is, it just fits within all of those Um and one of the things I had to remind myself, because I was getting really cross about it, I was getting really cranky, you know, every time I saw a post from this person, it was a complaint about something or something dramatic or a, you know, he, he goes to the extent of if he, he um, trolls, and this is a, a like a top business consultant, a very well-respected, best-selling author, but somehow he's got to the point where he now trolls people's posts and if he sees something that he thinks he can pick a hole in, he will be he will comment, he put a cutting comment on that person's post, another business person, in order to get attention, which it does do, and it creates this backwards and forwards drama, usually gets a number of people into the, the sort of person that loves an argument, right? And I had to remind myself because I found myself getting really frustrated and I, I, I constantly wanted to just, you know, go into battle for these people. And I, I realized I was actually giving him what he wanted simply by paying attention to what he was doing. So I had to stop myself doing it. I was having another conversation with a company founder backstage a few weeks ago who said to me, look, you know, I get why social media is important for our people, but don't you get kind of sick of, you know, people dancing half naked in front of a, a mirror doing these reels trying to get attention or sharing the latest photo of the breakfast that they're eating? And I said to him, that's all fine, but you realize the reason you're being delivered this content is because you keep looking at it. And he said to me, what do you mean? What do you, what do you mean? I, it just keeps appearing on my feet. I said, stop looking at it and you'll stop seeing it. He goes, seriously? It's that simple. And I said, yep, it's that simple. Likewise, what you're delivering to people is, you know, oh, sorry, what people are doing with what you're delivering is dictating what they're going to see more of. And so if people are not being delivered your stuff, it means you haven't yet worked out what it yeah. is that they want to be seeing. And these, these people, they're paying attention to every metric. You know, they're, they're smart. There's a reason that they are going out with the messaging that they are going out with. They're paying attention to the metrics. Yeah. They're paying attention to the views. They're paying attention to the engagement. You know, like, if <laughs> something else works better, mm -hmm. that's what they will move towards. Yeah. And so I think getting very discerning 
about where we put our attention, not just for ourselves, as you said, the more you engage with it, the more it will show up for you. You know, in like life in general, just just a lot yeah. faster. The mirror is a lot faster on social media. Um, but not only that, but it will show up for more people. Yeah. But also out. remembering too that people don't necessarily what, remember what you did, but they are going to remember how what you did made them feel at that time. Um, and there's a post I saw very recently from somebody who uh, has got a really, a really big following. She's, she's an international influencer. Um, she's, she's what you would consider to be a very inspirational person. But I saw this person make a big mistake the other day and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I think you've forgotten, you've forgotten this one key thing. Cause what she did was she, um, uh, she, posed in front of a mirror in, and, and this is a woman who's a very, very fit woman. She's probably in her sixties. Uh, and she is an incredibly fit woman. You'd know who she was if I said her name. So I'm not going to say her name, but very fit woman, uh, stunningly beautiful, but she's got a huge amount of influence. And so she, what she did was she posed in a very revealing, um, bikini, but it was, you know, the, the G string type bikini and it, you know, had like all this, glitzy, glamorous stuff going on. She had her high heels on and she posed in front of the mirror and essentially she challenged people to say, you know, I like, I'm, I'm really confident in who I am and, uh, you know, more people should be doing this. And, um, you know, and it was all about this woman confidence and rah, 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 which is great. However, the problem with that is that the vast majority I know of her followers are not confident women. And when they see this picture of her, this was the instant feeling I got was they're going to see this. They're not going to resonate. They're not going to feel like that could be me. They're going to look at this and feel challenged by that. Because what you're essentially saying is if I don't like this, if I don't feel comfortable with this post, then there's something wrong with me and my confidence level and I need to get over it because it's making you feel good, which was essentially what she was saying in, in the post she put up. And what really frustrated me about it was naturally the post went viral because she was half naked and that's what sells. And so she's looking at that metric. But I feel that she'd done all of this damage to her actual real audience, the people that were likely to do business with her, that she had been influencing because those are the people that needed to be built up, not be felt like, not to feel like, well, I could never do that. Therefore, there's something wrong with me. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, context is important. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer. It's, you know, it's your body, honey. Like you, you, you do, you do you, like you do, you do what feels comfortable to you. And, and obviously she felt very passionately about whatever message she was putting out there. Yeah. Um, however, I do think that the context is important. You know, yeah. there are, there are certain platforms where, and places to share certain things. Mm. You know, there's, there's certain things that I wouldn't share on, on social media. Um, there's certain things I wouldn't share on LinkedIn because it's not the right context yeah. for them. But I might share on Instagram because that's a different kind, mm. different kind of a context. Um, so I think, you know, bottom line, you make the decisions that are comfortable to you, but you have to bear in mind th the context that you're working with. Yeah. And if the majority of people are going to feel alienated by by what you're putting out there mm. if you're fine with that you know if you're if you're deliberately you know this is controversial and i want it to be controversial yeah i'm going to get a, the drama version of attention yeah yeah if that's what you're going for <laughs> mm. then 
you know, do it consciously yeah. and knowingly. Um, but yeah, you, you have to bear in mind the, the context of who of who you're talking to. Yeah, and also, you know, we're not going to get it right all of the time. You know, no. of us get it right all of the time. But the challenge is paying attention, right? Listening yeah. to what people are saying, looking at they're voting with their eyes, and you know, if they're not paying attention or if they're not loving it, I, I feel like if you have to defend what you're doing before you even do it, it's probably a good reason to stop and think about it. <laughs> And this was one of those instances because the whole post was defending the video of her posing in front of the mirror. Obviously, she was um, anticipating. Oh, yeah. I, I have no question in my mind about that at all. But and who knows? Who knows? Maybe she looks back at that and goes, you know, that felt really important to me. Um, maybe she looks possible. back and goes. You know, it won't, I won't be doing it. So, <laughs> a, a wise move. Maybe she looks back and goes, "That was one too many coffees, was, yeah. know, <laughs> or something else." Yeah, sat yeah. down and <laughs> taken a breath before before I jumped into that. Uh, but you know, you see a lot of people get cancelled. There's, I think, Marie Folio had one recently, and a Brene Brown had a had a few. Where you know what? If you're going to stand up and you're going to be out there, every step you make is not going to be the right one. Yeah. Every, you know, you're going to have missteps. You're going to have things, words that come out of your mouth that you think, wow, I could have, should have said that very differently. <laughs> um, you know, we're all going to have them. Mm. But as you said, you know, you pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention to the feedback. You care enough to, to want to know how you came across to the people that you're there to serve. Yeah. And whether you came across in a supportive way, whether you came across in an alienating way, you pay attention and you and you adapt and you adjust and you apologize when necessary. Yeah. And even that, you know, I see people, prominent people apologizing and I love it because yeah. we do not model apologies enough. That is very true. As parents, as partners, as professionals, as leaders, you know what, when you are getting it right, you are vanilla. <laughs> you are vanilla. <laughs> no, it's good. But when you get it wrong and you own it, mm. And you stand up and say, I could have done that better and I will. And yeah. here's how. Yeah. I truly believe that has more impact than in the moments when you get it right. Yeah. So true. And it shows more of who you are yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Julie, just as we wrap up, I'd love, do you have a couple of just quick tips that you can give our listeners around how they can become more influential from wherever they happen to be in their business, from whether they're brand new in the business or they've been doing it for a long time? What are some quick tips you can share with them to help them in this space? Okay. Tip number one, pick one thing, do it consistently. Mm -hmm. One thing, do it consistently. It could be, it could be a weekly live. It could be answering a question a day for 30 days. It could be um, writing a weekly newsletter. It could be a weekly podcast. It could be pick, pick one. One thing, do it consistently. Commit to mastery of yep. it. Um, so that's my number one. Um, number two, forget the confidence myth. I think, you know, the biggest, the number one word that I've seen over 20 years keep the most brilliant People, ideas, movements, businesses on the sidelines, never, ever reaching their full potential is usually that one word somewhere in there, confidence. Yeah. Somewhere they are waiting for. I will step up, stand out, do video, go live, 
agree to present on stage, um, share my story when I feel more confident. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart because mm. I have never once, not once, seen it arrive. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't arrive. It is, it's the result. It's not the ingredient. Confidence shows up when we show up over and over and over again. Yeah. It's the result. It's not the ingredient. You, it's never going to show up before you do. And as kids, I feel like we know this, right? Like my children know this. They know they've got to do something over and over and over and over again to feel confident. In fact, by the time confidence arrives, it's completely irrelevant. Yeah. Because you're already doing it. You are the thing, right? But something happens somewhere along the lines as we transition from childhood to adulthood where we start believing that confidence needs to show up before we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So I think forgetting, forget that word, forget that word. And, and what I teach is you need to tap into something I call the mindset of certainty instead. And it's very quick and simple. The mindset of certainty sounds like this, you know, today I will give you the best that I've got where all of my experiences, where everything I have learned, where all of my mistakes, all of my wins have brought me, I will give you the best that I have. Yeah. And tomorrow something changes, the information changes or I change, then I will adapt. Today I will give you the best that I've got. That is gravity and that is the most powerful person. Love that. Yeah. So, yeah, pick one thing, can do, do it consistently, forget about confidence. Yeah. That is so true. I love that. I think they're great tips and I think absolutely anybody can apply those. So thank you for sharing those. And I'm loving the whole idea of challenging yourself, whether it be for seven days, 14 days, 30 days, um, uh, 100 days, whatever that needs to be, but form a new habit and answering a question a day I think is brilliant. Um, so what a, what a great piece of advice, great golden nugget in there. Now, Julie, I've got a couple of quick uh, questions for you. These are my favourite questions of the whole interview. Uh, I know our listeners love these questions too. So are you ready? Um, am I on? Adjust? <laughs> Just, yeah, adjusting. No, right. So question number one is this, what is your favourite book for our Accelerator book list? Oh, um, The Big Leap. Oh, The Big by, Leap. Um, oh, bye, 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 bye. I need to look it up for you. The Big Leap by, I've interviewed him for the podcast. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show I notes. Him. He's amazing. Um, for some reason, my mind has gone blank, um, but The Big Leap. The definitely. Big Leap. All right, we'll put that one in the show notes so our listeners can check that one out. We have got a lot of big uh, readers. Uh, they love listening to audio books, reading books, um, and so, yeah, we're really keen um, to check that one out. Now, this is probably one of my favourite questions, uh, and I know you laughed when I gave you this one, so I'm curious to hear your answer. It is, if you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, 100%. The ability to transport myself anywhere in the world in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Officially, laughing about this the other day because our most common answer is flying. And uh, we what were... If, well, so this is the thing. We were around the dinner table the other day, and one of my uh, uh, one of my kids. We said, "Look, I want you guys to each come to the table with a conversation starter for the family." And one of the kids stole my question, and and asked, you know, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? And one of the boys said, "Flying." And my daughter just looked at him and went, 
why could you fly if you could just teleport? And I was like, it's a really good point. <laughs> exactly. I want to fly. Don't fly. Don't waste myself. that time. <laughs> I want to go. I want to have lunch in Paris. I want to <laughs> go for a cup of tea with my parents in England. I want to hang out with my best friend in San Francisco. And then I want to be and back, be back home for bedtime. Yeah. yeah it's not a good time. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? That's really true. Who wouldn't want that? But I do feel like life would get boring really quickly because what excitement is left? What anticipation is left? Oh, you obviously you don't do not realize the many places I could teleport myself to in many situations. (laughs) I I would keep myself occupied for the rest of my life. Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, uh, next question your favorite quote? You've shared a few with us today, so the. There's, I think it's an anonymous quote. I don't know. This one is genuinely anonymous. It's not that I've just forgotten. Um, the world is not made of atoms. It's made of tiny stories. Ooh, I like that one. I've not heard that one before. I love it. The world is not made of atoms. It's made of tiny stories. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, brilliant. I love that. I'm going to steal that one. Good. And the very last one, if you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, what would that be? Mm, gosh, I think the biggest lesson I have had to learn time and time again that if I could save myself the trouble would would make a profound impact on my life would be that if you are swimming against the tide, stop swimming. Mm. You know, there are there are times in life where you you can just if the universe is moving in one direction and you're trying to force it into another, guess what? The universe gonna win. Yeah, <laughs> it's win every time. And you can. It's a bit like you know, if one door closes, stop headbutting the door. Yeah. <laughs> Turn around. See so if, there's true. Open, if there's an open window, if there's another door, if you know. Yeah. Like, the world is full of amazing possibilities and synchronicities and yeah. opportunities. And when you try and swim against it. You're, you are going to exhaust yourself. You are yeah. going to burn out. You are going to, you're going to break before it does. And so stop swimming. Yeah, that Float is so a while. true. Watch, pay attention, see where it spits you out. It might not be the opportunity you thought you were after. Yeah. It might be a different one. Um, but conserve your energy. Yeah. Because something else is around the corner. Yeah. Probably. So true. I love that. And what a beautiful note to finish on, Julie. Thank you so much for your time. I know we've gone way over today, uh, but I've loved this conversation. Um, there have been so many golden nuggets in there. So really appreciate you. Thank you for joining me. And it's been such a pleasure chatting with you again. Oh, it's been it's always lovely to spend time with you, either on a panel or on stage <laughs> or on a quick mobile phone call. It's yeah, you do such a wonderful job. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We've got many stories to share about those. I know that we uh, we didn't get to talk about them today, but uh, yeah, there's certainly we've had a little bit of fun in our uh, um, in our few events that we've done together, which have been I feel rather drama filled already. So <laughs> who knows what will happen in June? Um, we'll come back. Um, I said the dead leg panel guys will share the story one day but let's just say <laughs> I needed help to get off the stage that day so I did learn a lesson do not cross your legs while sitting on a stool on stage for too long you will lose blood flow guaranteed in one of your legs so yeah yeah and and to this day I <laughs> 
I, I regret not running back and helping you. But I, <laughs> I didn't talk to you for a very long time after that. No, I Paul Jones from Senegents came back and, and helped me limp off stage. My husband also was with you and walked off stage and left We just didn't know it had happened. Anyway. No. We <laughs> so everyone in the audience knew. <laughs> but like I said, all sorts of crazy things happen and these are the fears that you have when you get on stage. And let's face it, some of those fears come true from time to time. <laughs> they do. And it just makes you all the more bulletproof next time because you think, you That's know what? That's right. Like, if I can do that, I can do anything. I will just say I got off that stage that day and Lisa McGuinness-Smith, who many of our listeners know, just tapped me on the shoulder and she said, do you want me to tell you about the time I actually fell off the stage? And I thought, great, definitely feeling better. So, and (laughs) They're the girlfriends you need around you, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. When you make a fool of yourself, they go, you know what, that was bad. But let me tell you a time when I did it worse. Yeah, exactly. So what a great note to finish on. Um, uh, look, guys, if I, I just I love where this has gone and the reminder to get out of that comfort zone of yours. Uh, you're not going to do any growing in there. So, uh, you know, I love that story, Julie, of of where everything started from and where you've where you're going. And I'm super excited to see what's next for you. So we'll um, we'll put some links as well in our show notes if people want to reach out to you, Julie. I know you've got some amazing resources as well uh, have you got anything in particular that you'd like to share with our listeners uh there's the influencer ebook influencer code ebook which goes through i don't know i very quickly mentioned you know clarity contribution captivation consistency certainty the the core the core pillars of standing out as an influencer in your space it's very quick and easy so you can download that it's free Just pop in your email address and you're good to go and Inside Influence Podcast, which comes out every two weeks and where I speak to some of the world's leading minds on and you've, standing yeah. out. And you've had some unbelievable people on that podcast. So we'll put a link to that as well so people can check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, thank you for joining us and thank you to our beautiful listeners for tuning in again this week. Uh, it's been great having you. Make sure you share this episode with somebody that you feel can benefit from listening to the amazing Julie Masters. And uh, have an amazing week. We'll see you on the podcast again next week. That's it from us for today. Bye for now. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.